strike three call. On San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts. Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio for 27 years. Now, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis on a stock you own or are looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 833-288-0973. Again, that number is 833-288-0973. 0973 for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, good morning, Chase. How are you doing? Good. Good to be here. Uh, always good to be here on Saturday morning on our new new station here. And I uh, love doing this morning investing show again. Been doing it for a long time here. And uh, we always take calls. But we got some things we got to talk about uh, this past week, as we always bring up in the, the beginning of the show. Uh, let's start off with Tesla stock. And you and I don't agree with with Elon Musk very often, but he, he said some things like, wow, we agree with that. Yeah, it's been an interesting week for Elon. He's, a, of course, kind of a off-the-chart CEO, I guess is the way I would put it. That puts it very calmly. Yeah, and I mean, he's a, a very uh, interesting interesting guy. Uh, but, you know, he came out and talked about the, the stock price, and we've, you know, been in the camp for a long time. Tesla stock makes absolutely no sense. And this week, the CEO, Elon Musk, comes out and says, the stock price is overpriced, or it's too high, in unusual. his opinion. <laughs> very, very unusual. And it's especially crazy because he's always been, oh, Tesla's going to do this and do that. But to be in the, in the camp saying, yeah, my stock price is too high, you have to wonder, how can these analysts and these new advisors and these different investors actually justify some of these price targets that are, you know, three, 4,000? Yeah, <laughs> some of these are actually Wait, I think crazy. it was 10,000. It's just like, how can you justify that price target when even Elon Musk now says the stock price is too high. And, and I think part of it was he he is a little bit frustrated as well. He's selling his homes and, you know, he, he's really frustrated with what's going on in the country, uh, in California with with this whole shutdown. Uh, he is a big believer in freedom. I mean, that's why he's from what, South Africa, I think? I think South Africa, South Africa. Yeah. That's why a lot of people from around the world came to this country because of our freedoms and now we're acting, I don't want to get too political here, but we're acting kind of like a, a communist country where, no, you've got to stay in your homes. No, you can't do this. And I think people like him are very frustrated because they believe, like I do and you do, a lot of people do in the free, the free society. So that's been taken away. So I think he's kind of frustrated. Yeah, I think he, he did go on kind of a tweet storm, and I think he was just throwing out a bunch of different stuff. Yep. But I do have to agree with him. His stock price is high. I mean, we did yes. look at uh, the fact that the stock still trades at over 100 times next year's estimated gap earnings per share. Again, the long-term average is 16.2. And then, gosh, I did some math on this, and it is just unbelievable on what – the company is trading for if you compare it to all these other businesses. Oh yeah, I mean they got a current market cap of 130 billion. Now that now exceeds the combined market cap of Ford, General Motors, Fiat Chrysler, Lyft, Packard. Now Packard builds Peterbilt, Kenworth trucks, Navistar, another large truck manufacturer, Borg Warner provides engines and drivetrain solutions, Cooper Tire Penske Auto, which operates automotive commercial truck dealerships, Advanced Auto Parts, and CarMax. Now, that's a long list. And I was going to say, you sound a little winded there. <laughs> yeah, I take a breath because it's so much. And that's and we try to put things in perspective. And, and I'm not saying the car is a bad car. It's a great car. But whenever you invest, you've got to think, bring things back down to reality, what it's really worth. And, yes, I think this company will do well going forward. Uh, there was a time we thought that they could go bankrupt. I think that could be off the table for now, yeah. but the stock is not worth what it trades at. Uh, and it could pull back, especially when you're on CEO. 
says it's overpriced. Yeah, well, I, I, to be honest, I think they're in the clear on the bankruptcy. Um, mm-hmm. They've definitely been able to take advantage of investors that believe in their cause. And most of the time when companies issue stock, that stock price goes down. Not not Tesla. It goes up 10% You know when they issue stock. So they've been able to raise capital unlike many other businesses, which I think is going to get them out of the bankruptcy type uh, issues that we believe that they would have had. Um, but yeah, as you said, very, very expensive because we did look at all those other combined companies. The sales for those all those businesses last year were $508 billion. Tesla's was $24.5 billion. <laughs> so, I mean, it just really blows it out of water if you – Again, look at the numbers here and say, why in the world is anyone buying Tesla? And again, Tesla may be at, I don't know, $100 a share might make sense. But, you know, to actually look at it in this regard, it's just saying, gosh, this thing is just way, way too expensive. And it is crazy. And again, great company, great car. But you as an investor, and that's what we do, we, we talk about investing, you have to look at what you're paying for a business. And also, too, you talk about how they can you know, issue new shares to pay out the debt. Well, people don't realize about the dilution they're having of those future earnings because your earnings could be down the road. I don't know, they could have been maybe a, a dollar or two a share. Well, if you you know increase your share outstanding by 20 30%, you're not going to get that dollar to a share. And eventually, this business, like other businesses, will come back down to what are you getting for the earnings and how much are you paying for those earnings. Yeah, I just wanted to add one thing was, you know, I always think it's funny, oh, Tesla's not a car company. Uh, that's what people say, not me. Uh, is uh, I'm pretty sure they're a car company. They make cars. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and, and also, too, we had a question this past week that you and I were asking, like, well, wait a minute, why is Ford and GM, they've got a deal with the UAW, uh, the union, um, and why does Tesla does not? Now, the UAW is trying to get in there because they are a car company. So yeah. <laughs> that's where they make most of the revenue from. They're a car company <clears throat> that uses a lot of technology to drive their car, but they're not a technology company. They're a car company. Yeah. So, yeah. And GM and Ford are starting to use more technology. So now can you beg the question, those are technology companies? I don't <laughs> think so. So I, I think more regulation for Tesla down the road is – it's definitely going to upset Elon, but it's also going to add to, you know, costs and hurt earnings. I, I think it's it's just it's an exciting stock. It's you know uh, I've always appreciated the, the the manufacturing and the technology side behind it, but just as an investment, gosh, it does not make sense. And you could trade it, you could maybe make you know 50% trading it, but mm-hmm. it is just crazy. You're gonna lose your shirt. You're going to go absolutely insane if you do trade it over time. Exactly, exactly. So uh, a lot of people talking about, <clears throat> you know, how bad things are and, <clears throat> excuse me, how long it's going to take to recover. Uh, Gary Kelly, uh, who is the CEO from uh, Southwest, brought up a good point this past week uh, when he talked about their earnings, uh, that this is like the roaring 20s. It was a process time for a company, and that followed the 1918 Spanish flu. So, I mean, you're going to have these periods. You know, it's so funny. Do people really think? that we're going to have continuous growth year after year after year for forever? Of course not. I always tell, talk about the seven to ten year business cycle. <clears throat> it's been just about ten years since we had the 2008-2009 debacle here, and, and now we're going through something else. That happens in the economy. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the, the thing that I think people misinterpret is, oh, what, what is he seeing? Things are crazy right now. And he came out and said, in the short term, and this is the problem with a lot of Americans, with a lot of people, is they're emotional. They they can't look past a day. They yeah. look at it instead of saying, oh, well, there is no way we get back to normal. There is a way we get back to normal. And again, he pointed out, you know, in June, July, air traffic is still going to be struggling. It's st- going to start recovering, but it is not going to be what it was. And then he said, you can't forget, again, the Roaring Twenties was one of the most prosperous times for our nation. Right. And that came <clears> after... In my opinion, the Spanish flu, far worse. Now, I'm going to do a post probably next week on the Spanish flu and all the numbers behind it mm-hmm. because it was actually a terrible, terrible time for this country. Very, very scary. By the way, we never got a vaccine right. for the Spanish flu until years, years after yeah. that crisis ended. And, and I've talked many times, too, is that think now, 100 years ago, it's about when it was 100 years ago, the advancements from 100 years ago in medical technology and drugs and everything. I mean, you can't compare 1918 to now. It's a a whole different ballgame. So it's it's just something you have to kind of look at. And the the reason we did point out that post was just because we we wanted to say, you know, people say, oh, I'm going to be so scared and, you know, I'm going to be cooped up for a long time. Again, 
people got over that fear of going out and contracting the, the Spanish flu within a couple of years. So we could, again, see a prosperous time ahead within the next few years. Again, it's not going to, to change tomorrow, but things will progress. Yeah, things will get better. Yeah, things will get better. That, that, that's the important part. And people say, oh, it's going to take five to ten years to recover from this. It will not take five to ten years to recover from this. Uh, the, the quicker we reopen the country, the quicker we will recover. Uh, I was on a national program yesterday talking about that. I, said, yeah, I mean, we are ready to go. There's a lot of money on the sidelines. People are still getting paid. They're getting that $1,000 a week unemployment. They have money to spend and no place to spend it. If the governors would reopen our, our, our economy, um, we could get back to a boom very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we had, uh, what, Gilead, their, their drug passed the FDA. There's well, they, they're used as an emergency drug, emergency now, drug. Yeah. But, but still, I mean, emergency drug. Uh, last week, had Johnson Johnson said that they could have, I, I believe, also on an emergency basis, uh, a vaccine by September, perhaps. So there's so many things developing in, in the drug world, and that's what has to happen. You know what we need to do? We need to cut out the media, because the media just scares people. They always look at the negative side, not the positive side. And that's why people are so afraid that, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. And, and we, we've talked about how low, and not just us, but from scientists and from doctors, and um, kind of get off track here a little bit, but the, 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 the uh, scientist from Stanford, who's the 100th most quoted scientist in the world, how he's saying mortality rate is too high. Well, I was going to say, we, we can move on to that probably. We did have that kind of data there. I mean, you brought yeah. it up. Might as well talk about it. But I, again, do want to point out, people keep saying, well, you say that things are going to recover quickly. I, I just can't harp on it enough. We will not go back to where we were on January 5th, let's say, you know, right. tomorrow. <laughs> if right. we start to reopen the economy, it's going to be a climb forward. It's mm-hmm. not going to be a quick reversion to where we were. But there is a lot of money in the economy, as you said. There will be people spending that money. But, again, I, I do want to point out it, it's not going to mean we're going to have positive GDP right. for 2020. I think you'll still see a very low single-digit GDP decline is, is my opinion for 2020. Yeah, it, it depends on how soon that these states get to open up because I think we could have a positive GDP, very, very small one in, in 2020, but it, it really depends on the states. If the states are keeping their states closed until June, July, I've even heard of August, it, you're not going to have a positive GDP. But if these governors wake up and, and realize that, wait, things aren't that bad, um, things are, are, are going okay, and, and I, I just... We just need a plan moving forward yeah. because, and again, it doesn't mean open up everything tomorrow and you know flood the economy. It just means we need to have some type of plan to test the opening of the economy is what we're looking for. Exactly. And what I was going to say, too, is that what happens that it's going to build. You're not going to be doing 100 miles an hour right away. You're going to build up to that. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen. If they open it, people are going to start going out and things are okay. Well, gee, it's been two, three weeks now. Well, well yeah, everything's okay, so I think I'll start going out. So that'll be the growth. So as you said, I kind of jumped ahead a little bit to the uh, science. Uh, uh, from Professor John Lenonit, Lenotis, is that what you say his name? Lenotis? I don't even know why you went for it, but uh, I, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an I, so it's Ionitis. Ionitis. Okay, there we go. I thought it was an L. Okay, so, uh, but yeah, again, people keep saying they got to listen to the science uh, in this pandemic. Well, here's a gentleman, as I said, he's a professor uh, from Stanford School of Medicine who is ranked by Google Scholar as one of the world's 100 most cited scientists. Not the United States, but the world's. And he had some interesting points. Now, his study looked at blood tests of 3,300 volunteers in Santa, Cla- Santa Clara County, uh, and they estimated from eh, what estimate of 2.49% to 4.16% of the population in the county had been infected. Yeah, and the crazy thing is that the total cases then uh, would actually exceed the confirmed count by about 50 to 85 times. So, again, I keep talking, I think the, the confirmed cases number that you see, I, I I don't want to say that number is not important, but it's a, it's really does not showing of how many people have actually had this virus now that we're starting to see the blood test come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to kind of look more at the hospitalizations and, and the deaths because those, in my opinion, are, are harder numbers where those are the people that are going to the hospital that are right. passing away, unfortunately, from the disease. I think it kind of gives you more information. And the reason we point this out is because if you actually look at the fatalities compared to a estimate of 50 to 85 times higher on the confirmed cases, the fatality rate would actually be between 0.12 and 0.2%. Negligible compared to what we see at the 4 to 5% rate currently. Right. And, and also, too, what I like to, uh, and again, I know there's people going to argue with this. That's okay. We're just giving the facts from a scientist. And also, this is a, you talk about a power couple, 
I mean, his wife is also an infectious disease specialist, also at Stanford University. So you've got two very smart people. Uh, they found in Italy, people under 65 without underlying conditions accounted for 0.7% of the coronavirus deaths. In New York City, that number was just 1.8%. So again, you've got to really understand the numbers. And I, you said a, a good thing the other day that, no, we're not doctors, no, we're not scientists, um, but we understand numbers. And, and that's the important part, to understand numbers. And why do we care about this? Obviously, we care about this because we're investing in businesses. We need the economy to open to have our businesses do well. Well, and if the businesses don't do well, then the economy's not going to do well. People <laughs> will be unemployed. It's, it, it'd be terrible. We talked about that the other week. And, you know, I, I just kind of keep saying is think about, as we pointed out, with the deaths from those under 65 without underlying conditions, and now potentially an increase in the number of confirmed cases, so a, a lower mortality rate, plus the people that are under 65 that aren't passing away uh, without underlying conditions. I mean, you're talking about a mortality rate for those people that is negligible. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it is going to be so minimal for, you know, somebody like in my age group or even somebody in their 50s that is healthy, it's going to be very, very, very small. Right, right. And, and it, it is very important to kind of, to kind of look at this stuff and, and understand what's going on. But again, it brings down hopefully the fear factor where people get out and start consuming again. So let, let's go ahead and open the phone lines. Uh, what's our phone number here? 833-288-0973. Uh, again, that's 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three, and as always, that gets you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, final opinion about what you want to talk about. Well, Chase, one thing too that I do want to kind of pull back in here as well is that the decline in stock prices of big chain restaurants because they've been hit tremendously, and you know, and I kind of get excited a little bit when I see some of the declines in the stock prices of some well-known big chain restaurants like Cheesecake Factory. Darn restaurants, and again, as we've been saying, I do believe that people get tired once again of cooking at home. I mean, it's a great thing to begin like, oh yeah, it's so great. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do, you know, have this new recipe and so forth. After a while, it kind of gets old. Especially, you gotta clean up the damn dishes, and I hate cleaning dishes. I don't know about you. Yeah, it, it gets a little <laughs> bit uh, annoying. I guess is an easy way to put it. And you know, I've I've talked to so many friends here, and that's the number one thing we're talking about. It's like, gosh, I miss going to restaurants and just being with your friends and. You know, it, it's been fun. I've been, you know, just kind of learning how to cook different things. It's been interesting, but I'm ready to go back to the restaurants. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and go go enjoy, and not even go to the restaurants because I've still ordered takeout and stuff. But just the the atmosphere, it's yeah. a fun atmosphere that that you kind of forget about. And, and I think they can make it look pretty good because we're talking about maybe having like plexiglass between the booths and so forth. I mean, just imagine with the right lighting. I mean, it could actually make it look kind of cool because it'll reflect off the, off the plexiglass, and you can make restaurants safe. Uh, if you're in waiting, don't wait in the lobby. Wait in your car. They can call you from your car. There's things we can do to have the restaurants reopen. The thing is, I just think it might be a little bit too early to start investing into uh, restaurants at this point in time because it's just uh, too, too much uncertainty at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, the... Uh I, I like, you know, Cheesecake Factory. I love cheesecake, so I think it's a, a very interesting company. I've looked at it a few years ago. Um, they had some interesting numbers, and I, I do believe they're kind of a little bit more unique. A lot of these big restaurants, they actually use franchises. I believe they own their restaurants, and I could be mistaken on that. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that either. Yeah, because when I look at their balance there's sheet. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, but I know there are a couple restaurant chains that actually own their restaurants rather than franchise right. them out. Right, right. And, 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 you know, one of these days, uh, I'm going to start to where I want to try every single cheesecake that Cheesecake Factory has. And <laughs> not in one day, honestly, but I, I just, they got, what, 100 different ones. So it's just something unique you want to kind of get back to. And, and also, too, I think we're going to see, too, perhaps in the restaurants, we may also see temperature checks. Uh, I've even seen perhaps the silverware sealed in plastic. So many things they can do to get back. We just need to let uh, America back to the ingenuity of creating things on how to solve this. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I did want to go back to Cheesecake Factory because uh, I did just look it up real quick. They they do not franchise. They are all company-owned and operated. How, did you say how many there are? Uh, no, I didn't look that deep into it. I just kind of headlined looking at it. But they, they company-owned and operates all of it. The reason I like that is because a lot of times with the franchise model, 
the company is what's known as asset light, and it really complicates the uh, balance sheet. So uh -huh. it's very, very hard for investors to actually look at the debt-to-equity ratio because the debt-to-equity, there's very little equity because it's all franchise-based or asset light. Very hard to understand. I like Cheesecake Factory because their balance sheet was a lot cleaner. I do believe that you know when we come back from this, companies like restaurants could be a great place to invest, but just be a little bit more patient, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Great place to invest and great place to eat as well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So phone numbers here, 833-288-0973. Uh, That's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with James. James, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Good morning there, Chase and Brent. How you doing? Uh, uh, good, thanks. Good. Listen, you guys have been, uh, reviewed uh, Phillips 66 uh, in the last so couple times in the last month. PSX, they have a they have a partnership PSXP uh, that I'd like your comments on. I'm thinking about it, but I thought I'd wait until I heard your comments on the PSXP. Okay. Well, let's take a look. Uh, and I do see that Phillips 66 Partners LP. The symbol is PSXP. Uh, darn good start here. P.E. ratio 8.5, uh, nothing for the industry. Price to sales, now that's very expensive, 8.4 versus 0.3. Price to book value, 3.6 versus 0.18 for the industry. And price to cash flow, well, that's 11 versus 1.4. So the valuation ratio is looking pretty high except for the P.E. ratio. Now, I do see you get a good dividend here of 8.4%. They only use 69% of their earnings to pay that out. I do see that the sales growth year over year up 8.1%, well above the industry at 2.4. Earnings per share was up 21.6, industry down 59%, so that's a big positive there. The balance sheet, a little bit of worry here. We got a current ratio of 2.1 versus 1.7. That's okay. What I see that I don't like is the debt to equity is 124 versus 78. So I want to understand what that debt is and also to what their equity is as well because that's a little bit high, makes you feel a little uncomfortable with that high debt to equity of 124. Return to equity is 28.9 versus a negative 21.7. Net profit margin, crazy number here, you got to understand this one, 81.5% net profit margin versus a negative 38. So got to really understand what yeah. this company is doing. And then lastly, receivable turnover is 11.3 versus 4.9. Chase, do they have any earnings going forward on this company? Hey, well, I, I did want to kind of make a comment on it before looking at the numbers. And, you know, we have a refiner in the portfolio, and uh, they actually recently got rid of their limited partnership. And it, it's an interesting kind of caveat in the business, I guess. It, it's a limited partnership oftentimes is just using, like, transportation assets, and then they're paid by the, the big company to pay down through that limited partnership. It's a very interesting business structure, and, and we did refrain from the limited partnership in, in that business stuck to the big company because the limited partnership, their survival depends on the big company. <laughs> so um, I, I would want to, again, just uh, caution that aspect is you really have to understand how is this company helping, you know, uh, Philip 66 and uh, what is the benefit of the partnership uh, to that business and it, it could be dissolved down the road potentially uh, as the one that we hold it dissolved that limited partnership. But looking at the numbers here, continuing on, current price is $41.56, 52-week high, $65.23, and 52-week low, $19. So it has, wow, more than doubled off that 52-week low. Now if I look forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on gap basis, $4.20. Gives you a target sell price of $68.04. So that still looks promising on that front. I just think you have a little bit more research to do here on the partnership. And I will caution there is different taxability with oh, the right. partnerships yeah. over individual equities. Yeah. So, yeah, you got, got to be careful on that. So, James, I, I, I'd i say do some more research on it to really understand what their partnership is. Again, we, we said we have a refiner. We did not ever invest in that partnership. And eventually, it was two, three years, I, I think they eventually rolled yeah. it back in the big company again. So, uh, the numbers look pretty good on it. Again, the debt looks kind of crazy. Uh, you really, I think, have to understand it before you pull the trigger to, to invest in that. Already? Yeah, I, more than the numbers, I was looking at your editorial comments on partnerships versus the corporate, and uh, you've uh, been very forthcoming on that. And anything else you'd like to say in that regard? Uh, if you're not too busy, I'd appreciate it. 
Yeah. I mean, I would just kind of yeah. add one thing more on the, the taxability. Oftentimes, I like to avoid partnerships because there's just so many great other opportunities where, you know, you could buy Phillips 66 and, and not have the, the headache. I mean, we, we work with our accountant, and I remember we, he actually referred a client to us, and they had, gosh, so many oh, partnerships right. and all the K-1s. He's like, doing their taxes cost him so much money because he had to file all the K-1s. <laughs> so, I mean, I like just the simplicity of equities over the partnerships. Um, that's just kind of where I stand on that. I think buying Phillips 66 is just going to be probably a better option than buying the partnership. And I'm not sure, I don't know if you know, Chase, but I'm not sure if the partnerships get the same uh, taxability on the dividends because you get a tax break on the dividends. Do they get in the partnership? Do you know? I'm not sure, but it could be ordinary income, as you said. So, yeah. so check um, with your account on that one because that would, you know, an 8 8% dividend sounds pretty attractive, but if it's on an equity and you only pay maybe 15% tax on that versus Sure. Partnerships pay 100%. So that, that's another thing, too, that may, you know, but I, I don't know. I'm not an accountant. Yeah, and that, I kinda, this kind of relates to real estate. As Warren Buffett said, why would I buy real estate when stocks are so easy? I kind of feel the same way about the partnerships. Why would I buy partnerships when stocks are so easy? <laughs> All right, James. Well, that's, that's, what I, that's what I wanted was editorial. So uh, thank you, gentlemen. Carry on. All right. You're welcome. Don't be a stranger. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288. 0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And Chase, before I go to the next caller, I just remember that, that time goes by so quickly. We have another, <laughs> another webinar coming up on Thursday, May 14th. And this one's going to run until midnight because we had a lot of people who go to the last one. Uh, we're going to open up the time from a little bit longer. Why would you want to listen to this, this webinar? Well, you're going to learn about our investment strategies. What have I done for so many years? What has been successful? And, you know, it is funny with our strategies. It doesn't mean you're going to be right tomorrow. We're not gamblers. You're going to learn the true way on how to invest for the long term and how to invest with the least amount of risk and also, too, what to look for when investing and what not to invest in as well. So what you got to do is sign up for the, uh, for the webinar. It's going to be Thursday, May 14th. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Uh, I believe it comes up right on, on when you go there. I believe that's what we have there for you. So you're going to sign up for it. And, again, that's Thursday, May 14th until midnight. You can watch that webinar. It's about an hour and 10 minutes, I think, is about how long we talk at that one. Yeah. No, and I, I was going to say uh, I'm excited about the webinar. And, you know, the, the first one was a, a pretty good success. I, I think this one will be even even better in terms of the execution of it. Um, but I will say, you know, the one benefit of the, the quarantine here is, you know, it kind of forced us to adapt. And uh, it was awesome to see there was a, a lot of people from out of town actually registered for the webinar because they couldn't come to the workshops. But yeah. they can come to the webinar, so uh, it is kind of a, a big benefit there. Yeah. So, alrighty, phone number is eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, final opinion about what you want to talk about. Right now, let's head up to Carlsbad and speak with Don. Don, you're in the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Yeah. Good morning, guys. Um, I would like to have you. Uh, check on uh, Honeywell, H-O-N, is the, uh, the symbol. And do you hold that um, or recently buy bought some? No, you just recently bought some? Okay. I was going to ask, people buy it, then they call in to <laughs> see what we think about it. Uh, how long ago did you buy it? Um, three days, two, three days ago. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess you wanted to do it then. Couldn't wait till Saturday and do it on Monday. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Don, let's look at this. <laughs> Honeywell International, symbol is H-O-N. Uh, not a bad start. Uh, P-E ratio 16.5 versus 24. Price of sales a little bit high, 2.68 versus 1.4. We do say, unfortunately, no price of tangible book value, which means that they're their uh, liabilities in, uh, exceed that their their assets there. Uh, we also do see price of cash flow 13.5 versus 22.6, and we see a dividend yield of 2.6, and they only use 41% of their earnings to pay that out, and actually these are numbers that are after the first quarter, so that's very helpful. We do see that the sales were down 9.9%, industry was up 2.2%, we also see earnings per share over the last 12 months was down 1.3, but the industry was down 40.4%. Look at the balance sheet. you got a current ratio of 1.3. That's the same as the industry. Debt to equity looking very good, 91. I say very good because the industry is at 144. 
return on equity for Honeywell, also very good, 33.1 versus 21.7. Net profit margin for Honeywell, 16.9% versus 5.7. That's a very good net profit margin. And we do see receivable turnover is 4.9 versus 4.8. Inventory turnover, 5.3, well above the end of 2.7. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Honeywell, $137.25, 52-week high, $184.06, and 52-week low is $101.08. Now, unfortunately, if I look forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $8.32. We'll give us the target sell price, unfortunately, at 134.78, so below the current price there. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's going to go above our target sell price. I, I do think it'll do okay. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, it likely will exceed that just because, I mean, you know, of course, companies are going to have to rebuild, and earnings, I think, will climb off 2020 and 2021. But I, I do think there are, are better options out there at this time. Yeah, no, I've always liked Honeywell. I think it's a pretty well-known company, a good company. Uh, but again, the numbers are, are difficult. And right now, I mean, analysts as well are having a difficult time because companies aren't getting a lot of guidance yet because they don't know. So, I mean, I think if you held this, I would say, yeah, stay with it, which I, can, I guess now you do. Uh, but I, had, had you called today, I would have said don't buy it on Monday. But uh, <laughs> Percentage-wise, uh, Don, how much did you put in your portfolio? Oh my gosh, I just, I just touched. I mean, just a very small, two uh, percent, one percent. Yeah. Okay, so so you're not too bad. So so if it does go back down, you you'll be okay. And I think too is that maybe it could drop back on down. I mean, we do expect volatility in this market, so you, you've got to watch it. If it drops back down to maybe a one, one ten, one fifteen, that might be the time to buy it. But Call in first before you do that, all right? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I think I'll wait wait on my buys until Monday or Tuesday instead of Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Don. Well, thanks for calling. You have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That does open up the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head out to or down to Bonita and speak with Scott. Scott, you're in the Smart Show, Brent and Chase. How can we help you? Last week I called about Laurel Space and communication, and we both agreed the, the numbers were pretty nebulous. You asked me to call back this week, so what do you think now? There have been some well, developments since <laughs> last week, too. Uh, unfortunately, I'm still looking at the numbers from December 31st, 2019. Do you know if they reported earnings? Do you, do you have that, Chase, or do you know? No, I don't know. Yeah. Do you know um, if they report that, uh, Scott? Don't know about that, but what I do know is there's talk of a merger with a similar company in Canada. Also, they announced a significant dividend. It's going to be paid out later this month. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say, of course, our, our software wasn't – Working last week, uh, we do have some numbers for you. I don't remember exactly what we gave you last week, but we can kind of run through these yeah. these numbers for you based off of the fiscal year ending. Yeah, I totally, I totally forgot that last week we didn't have Reuters up. Uh, this week we do, so I, I can give you some different numbers here. So uh, let's take a look at Laurel Space and Communications Incorporated, symbol L-O-R-L. -L. We do see a P-E ratio of 7.8 versus 18.8. Price to sales, not material. And that's very strange because you're always going to have sales versus 1.6. Price to book value, 1.38. The industry is not material. And price to cash flow, also not material versus 6 for the industry. Now, here I see they don't pay a dividend. And you're talking about a special dividend here, so maybe they don't have a regular dividend. Uh, I don't see any sales revenue. Um, I do see that their earnings per share grew by 707% year over year, well above the industry of 15 I'm seeing a current ratio of 47 versus 9. These are very strange numbers. Debt to equity is 0 versus 203. Uh, return to equity is 27.7 versus 18. I, I'm, I'm, even though we now have Reuters, uh, Scott, I'm still not feeling that great with the uh, with the numbers I'm getting. Do you have anything on the earnings on this side, Chase? What do you got? Uh, unfortunately, Reuters doesn't cover this in terms of analysts. I know when we looked at it uh, last week, there were no analysts from uh, Yahoo Finance either. So I, I do know it is a very small company, and um, it was actually a really good week for the company. It looks like uh, it started off the week at 15 and ended the week at $22 a share. Um, so, I mean, that, that did have a nice climb, but even after that, market cap still $697 million. 
Um, I, I do think it's kind of like the uh, Virgin Galactic. I, I don't know if they're in the same type of field. I don't think they're doing space travel. It sounds like I think they do satellites or something. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it just kind of, I think, is a space play that, that people, oh, it could bid up and it, it could go up like yeah. crazy like Virgin Galactic did. Um, or you just never know what's going to happen with it, especially with the, the limited amount of resources this company has. So it's, it's a gamble at this time, and I, I think you know it could do very, very well. Or it could do very, very unwell, especially as you said, if they do merge with another company, they get bought out. Yeah, it'd, it'd do great. But uh, again, big gamble there. Yeah, as Chase says, I think it's a high risk buy here because you just don't have enough to kind of deal with. And it could do extremely well on it, but it'd be one in our firm that we'd stay away from. If we don't have all the answers as much as we can get, uh, we stay away from uh, those type of investments. I will say one big benefit no debt. Looks like yeah. they have lots of liquid assets. So uh, I will say that is a benefit. All right, Scott. Very good. Thanks, Jets. All right. Thanks for calling. You have a good Saturday. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's head down to Mission Valley and speak with Jennifer. Jennifer, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I um, have a question for you about Lowe's, and I've been to, um, I've been to one of your uh, seminars or whatever you want to call it, and I know you guys do, like, un unemotional investing. So I had bought Lowe's when it bottomed, and so I'm up 48% right now. Wow. So I'm trying to decide if I should <laughs> – thank you <laughs> – I'm trying to decide if I should hang on to it or sell it with capital gains and all that in the mix. That, that's a very smart thing because, again, you've got a great profit. Hopefully that you can hold this business for a long time, but you don't want to hold it blindly and it goes up and then it comes back down. So let, let's take a look at the numbers for you here on Lowe's Companies Incorporated. Symbol is L-O-W. Uh, not a bad start. The P-E ratio is 19 versus 20.4. Price of sales, 1.1 versus 1.7. That's good. Price of book value, 47 versus not material for the industry. And then price of cash flow, 13.9. Also below the industry at 17.5. So based on what I'm seeing so far, the valuation ratios are not that far out of whack. We do see get a yield of 2.1% on the dividend. They use 39% of their earnings to pay that out. Sales were up, and this is for uh, – they're in a fiscal year. So these are for numbers January 31st. Sales were up 1.2%, just slightly below the industry at 1.8. However, earnings per share for Lowe's, they climbed by 95% when the industry was up 21%. Look at the balance sheet here. we got a current ratio of 1 versus 1.1 for the industry. Now, debt to equity is very strange. It's 979, which sounds extremely high, but the industry is like $8 million. So there's something going on with the <laughs> debt needs. And I'm wondering if they do some type of loaning, because I know the credit cards and something. So you got to understand the balance sheet to really look closely, is there debt a problem? Because sometimes it's not really debt they owe. It's debt that they're kind of loaning to customers to actually pay, you know, maybe off a, a big, big project. Yeah, I was going to say, I know Home Depot, I don't even know if they have positive equity anymore um, because of that. And I, I know Home Depot, they like loan out some things. It, it could be, I, I know like Rent-A-Center is an example. Oh, they rent right. out different things that, that does have an impact on the balance sheet. So I would want to understand that. And I know Home Depot bought back a lot of stock, which also did influence that. I, I'm not too sure on Lowe's, but definitely got to understand the balance sheet. There are some big questions there. Yeah, but... Uh, also, to return equity is 151 versus 883, so that is good, but again, strange numbers there. We do see a net profit margin for loads of 8.9 versus 8.4. Uh, nothing on receivable turnover, which is kind of strange. Inventory turn turnover, 3.8 versus 4.1. Uh, Chase, what do you got for the earnings there? I was going to kind of add a little anecdote here. I, sure. I think this is a, a very interesting industry at the current time. I mean, I went to Home Depot <laughs> yesterday, and I could not believe how crowded I went after work so it was right. like 5:30 and I was waiting in line to get in there was I don't know probably 20 people in front of me and mm -hmm. then I'm waiting in line to check out and there's these two huge lines and I'm like oh my gosh everybody's at Home Depot and I'm sure Lowe's is the same way well. actually my girlfriend her her dad was at Lowe's while I was at Home Depot and he has the pro membership he's like I had 21 pro members in front of me and I had to park in a different parking lot to get to Lowe's <laughs> so I think yep. this is you more crowded than the grocery store. It is it's crazy. <laughs> so I think that's interesting. Everyone's doing 
they're all doing DIY, you know, projects right now. Yeah, so or I, DIY, I a, DIY. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> DIY, DIY. Yeah. Um. So I think it's a very interesting industry right now. I think they're gonna see some some good sales growth compared to a lot of other businesses. But uh, I do yeah. want to get back to the numbers here. Current price hundred four dollars forty six cents. Fifty two week high hundred twenty six dollars seventy three cents. Fifty two week low sixty dollars. I'm guessing that's about where you bought it at, as that was the mm-hmm. bottom. And then going forward to January 2022, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $7.11. That would give us a target sell price of $115.18. Um, so we still have a little bit more room for growth here. Okay. Um, but again, got to understand that balance sheet. Uh, that does scare me a little bit if you don't understand what's going on with the, the debt to equity there. And on the taxable side, it, it, it's hard to kind of make that justification without, of course, seeing the big picture yeah. of uh, you know what the, the tax implications would be. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a tough decision because it, it looks pretty good, but I, again, like Chase said too, I, I, I just worry when I don't understand something why their balance sheet is so strange. Um, I, I don't know if you have a degree, a degree in accounting or not, but it's something that it's so important because you could get blindsided by not understanding something they're doing. So just be careful mm-hmm. with it. Okay, Jennifer? Okay. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks for calling. You have a good one. You too. All right. All right, that does up on the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. And again, now we've got a work, uh, I almost said workshop. It's a webinar now because we don't do them personally anymore. Workshop webinar. How about that Workshop one? webinar. I like that one. Okay. <laughs> that is going to be uh, coming up very quickly on uh, Thursday, May 14th, uh, all the way up until midnight because we're, we really want to open up for people so that uh, you have time to actually learn about investing and see how we do things. And this is actually how we manage our own portfolios, how we've been doing this for years now. Uh, but you're going to learn about all our investment strategies. We don't hold back anything at all. We show you everything we do, why we do it, and so forth, because the, the key is is you got to understand it and know how to do it, and it takes a lot of time. But we show you that. Also, too, how to invest with the least amount of risk. Uh, very important. Again, we're not talking about day-to-day you know, share price movement. We're talking about long-term risk. We're long-term investors. We talk about buying and owning businesses. That's what we do. And also, too, what to look for when investing. And we just had a great call with Jennifer on, on talking about, you know, you got to understand what's going on with the debt to equity. How can that be so strange? What about the intangible assets? What is their debt like? You've got to understand all this stuff. We'll talk about that. It's all free for you, but what you have to do is sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. It is a free webinar, but you have to sign up. Uh, and again, it's going to be all day, I believe, on May 14th. We're doing all day, right? All day. All day. Yeah, all day on May 14th. So whatever your schedule is, you can tune in in about an hour and 10 minutes, and you'll you'll learn how we invest our clients' money. So again, smartinvesting2000.com. It's so funny. I'm so used to doing the workshops. I want to get with the phone number, but the phone number does no good if we don't have the phone number. They got to go sign up for it. Yeah, I got to go register there online. So <laughs> make sure you do that. Um, but you know, I, I was just kind of thinking when we were looking at these numbers here and talking to the different callers is, you know, this is really a very interesting earnings season. It is very interesting. The reason I point that out is because the numbers for the last quarter are going to be terrible. Yes. The numbers for the next quarter, they're going to be terrible. Many companies aren't giving guidance mm-hmm. because they don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> so I mean, this is kind of, again, why it's so important to understand the fundamental analysis, to understand the business that you're buying. Because if you're buying a company based on, oh, they had a terrible last quarter, you're gonna find no businesses to buy, I'll tell you that right now. Or right. I, I don't wanna say that, I guess you could find, you know, Probably some, uh, like a Kimberly Clark that sells right. toilet paper. They right. probably did just fine. That's right. There's going to be some that did fine, yeah. But I wouldn't buy those businesses because the valuations are too high. So, I mean, this is, again, where it comes down to understanding that business. What were earnings like before this all happened? Yeah. And what will earnings be like, you know, not next year even. I'm looking, again, to or not next year. I'm looking toward 2021, not this year, I guess, is right. what I was right. trying to say. Those are the numbers I want to try to start understanding because that's where you can find some good businesses. And as we continue to point out, be very, very cautious with balance sheets. You've seen a lot of companies add debt during this time period to get through it. Those businesses that already had debt to equity of 150% and now they have to take on more debt. Oh my gosh, that is very, very scary. Businesses that had, let's say, debt to equity of 20% had to add debt, they'll be fine. 
Are you talking about Boeing adding what? What was that? Thirty-five, oh, okay. yeah. was that 35 or forty-five billion? That yeah, they it was a large amount. It scares me. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, "Oh, they don't even have to use the government anymore." I'm like, "Well, they did take on a lot of debt at the interest rate. I think it's like it's not terrible. I think it was five, four and a half, five and a half percent. I, I think it was five and a half over prime or something. So it's probably between five and six. I guess is what it, what it probably is. So it's not a terrible interest rate, but it's a lot of debt. And again, that's gonna. And, and again, that didn't they also tap their line of credit for ten billion? As I think well? it's twelve billion. Twelve billion. So that, so now they have about. And they have. You know what? No, we. You know. By the way, we got no callers. It's the first time since we've been on on uh, uh, the station here that we've not had any callers. Uh, so again, if you want to call in now, you will get through eight three three, two eight eight zero nine seven three. Again, that's eight three three. Two eight eight zero nine seven three. You'll be the first up to, for us to go to. So I was talking. I think you pulled it up. So I'm not going to pull it up because I think you, did you pull up on the balance sheet? Uh, well, we won't know yet because it's not on the balance sheet. Well, uh, what yeah. So we for? we see actually they they did report. So we do have it from March 31st. So I believe that does include the 12 billion that they tapped. So uh, their total debt right now is 38.9 billion dollars. Before they tapped the line of credit, I believe it was 27 billion. So now that does include. Uh, as I said, the line of credit there, but now they're adding what do we say? Another thirty-five, forty-five billion dollars worth of debt to that thirty-eight billion. I think it was forty-five billion. Um, yeah. So yeah. So now you're going to have debt of over seventy billion dollars, um, even at a low interest rate. That's still going to be a very high uh, repayment that they're going to have. That's what I was gonna, the thing that scares me about Boeing is now they will get through this. Coronavirus. They will get through the COVID. They're not going to file bankruptcy in COVID nineteen. They're not going to file bankruptcy within the year. No. My concern is now they have to repay all this debt. Yeah. They could file bankruptcy in three, four, five years when it's like, oh, we have a lot of debt coming due. Yeah. That could be a very big problem, especially if the seven thirty seven max continues to have issues and it's not getting out there. And also, you talk about air airlines. Their demand is not going to come back online, so they probably want to keep a smaller fleet, I think, probably through 2021, maybe even, mm -hmm. where we'll start to reutilize their entire fleet. Then they'll maybe look at adding some new planes at that time. So you're talking about very limited revenue, perhaps, for Boeing, which could be problematic to help pay those interest payments. And the other thing I, I'm concerned about, if Boeing were to have issues right now, like the government offered to help I don't want to say bail them out. I don't like right. that term, but you know, help give them some money during this time period. They're not going to give them that same offer in five years when everything else is resolved. And <laughs> now they have this huge debt payment coming due. I'm concerned about Boeing again over a longer term. They could get through it. It could be a, a, a business that does go up very, very drastically because I think the high was around four hundred dollars. It's now around a oh, hundred. So. Yeah, I think it's like four twenty. It's crazy. Yeah. So and it could come down even more. Uh, and I, well, on, the, on the bright side, the small bright side, they do have $15 billion in cash. So the, their net debt is probably around $55 billion. But I don't I, remember their monthly burn rate was several billion, I thought. Let's look at the cash flow statement real quick. I, I, actually, you got a couple of callers coming in. But let's look at the uh, cash flow statement real quick to see what that looks like. Um, uh, let's see, their cash flow. Well, yeah, so, okay, so their cash flow, and this is for three months through March 31st. Their cash from operating activities was a negative $4.3 billion. So they are burning through cash. I think you're right. I think it was about $4, was it $4 billion a month. That sounds like a high number, but it could be. Uh, uh, yeah, there's actually a, an analyst uh, that was quoted in Forbes that, that does believe Boeing's monthly burn rate is $4.3 billion is the estimate. And that makes sense because this is just the operations. You then have yep. to look into the investing activities, and then also they still have – interest payments that they're going to have to make on their debt. So, I mean, their, their monthly burn rate could be at, at that $4 billion rate, which is very, very scary. Uh, even though they have $15 billion of cash, that's that's going to deplete that entire base. Then they have all that debt that they have to pay off. And, and, you know, and we've been, obviously, I don't want to say knocking Boeing, but telling people to stay away from it. I remember when it fell to 380 oh, it's a, it's a buy, it's a great buy. It's like, no, 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 it's not a good buy yet. There could be now a time, and again, we're not going to say when or the price, but there could be a time in the future, maybe in 2021, that Boeing does become a buy. Um, if they show that they pay down that debt, they get out of this hurdle, and you know, you wouldn't buy it at the absolute bottom at that time, but you avoid the risk of it going bankrupt, perhaps, and you have more clarity on it, and you could still buy it at a very good level. And I don't remember the dollar amount, but I'm pretty sure that they also have D 
defense contracts. They do as they well. Do. And I don't yeah. know what percent of them that makes up with their business, but that could also be something that kind of gets them through this because you're right. I mean, right now, airline companies are going to be kind of struggling. They're not going to say, hey, yeah, let's buy some more planes. They're going to try to get their cash flow them going. So you may not see plane orders until, I, I would guess, maybe late to mid-2021. You might see that change. But, yeah, they're, they're kind of a difficult uh, spot right now. But it, 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 it's, it's now worth... I think watching, but not not a buy. So, and, and I think there's just so many other great things out there oh, that yeah. you know, and people, oh, Boeing could go back to 200. There's a lot of other companies that have a cleaner balance sheet <laughs> yeah. that can double as well. Yeah, and and I I would not want to uh, uh, say that that's going to happen. So, um, all right, well, well, let's go out to uh, San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? I had a couple questions about two stocks. One is Aurora Cannabis out of uh, Canada, ACB, and it's currently at 75 cents a share. They're going to maybe do a reverse split, but they're going through a lawsuit. So I wanted okay. to get your thoughts on maybe shorting that stock because I think the reevaluation is going to be a lot higher than it should. And then just your overall thoughts on SeaWorld, S-E-A-S. Okay, well, well, let's talk about Aurora Cannabis first. I mean, you, you brought up obviously two negatives. I thought, oh my gosh, it's not an investment. They talk about shorting it. Uh, you, you know, I'm I'm not sure. I've never even thought about this. But if you short a stock and it goes bankrupt, well, I guess somebody else owns that. They yeah. have to pay it. Yeah. So uh, the things you lined out, and again, shorting, I will tell people, is very, very dangerous because you have an unlimited upside of somehow they turn around that stock grows from seventy five cents to two or three dollars you're going to have a terrible time. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I mean, um, you know, actually I had a friend that, that shorted Tesla, and I'm like, you know, I, I think that's great. I think Tesla is a terrible uh, investment at this time. Well, as we know, Tesla went from like 375 up to $900 a share. He lost a ton of money yeah. because with shorting a stock, you have unlimited loss potential because you have to keep getting margin calls and keep putting money in to keep that short active. And typically, the higher the price goes, you're like, there's no way it's going to go higher. Yeah. Then you put more money in, you could lose a lot of money shorting. It, it's a very dangerous gamble. I'm scared of investing in the cannabis industry, so I think it, I don't want to say it could make sense as a short. It would be like a more likely short, I right. guess, is the way I would put it, but it still scares the heck out of me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never shorted. I, I, I'll never will short. But again, if I was going to short, uh, based on what you said, this is a short I would perhaps do because yeah. I want to take that much risk. <laughs> does, does that help you out there, Tim? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I've never shorted a stock easy either, and it's not going to be like a major thing. I just wanted to try and see, you know, this looked like a good short and a, a good possibility, you know, maybe $100, $200 just to learn how to short a stock because I don't know how. And I read a book many years ago about shorting, and they really get very heavy into the financial statements, kind of like what, what we do, the financial statements, understand the business, They're looking at the 10Q, the 10K, to really read those to understand, is there any way at all that this company can turn things around? Because if there is, they, they stay away from it. But it's a very long research. It's probably about what we do anyways. But if you're going to short, you're, you're talking about looking at least 10 to 20 hours of research to really understand more about Aruba cannabis. What is you know, what, what is out there that you don't know is what you're kind of looking for. So, uh, And the other one you had was SeaWorld. What was the symbol on SeaWorld? Well, we bought the stock because the wife is like a contractor there. So we've we've made some money in the past off it when it was down around twelve dollars fifteen around Blackfish. We know it was at thirty six before this crash. It went all the way down to seven, and we got it at seven and at nine dollars. And then as it rose up this week at sixteen, we sold our profit, kept it. It went back down to twelve. So I'm just guessing, like long term, you think that company is going to be around? Are they going to go under? Is it a good time to buy it because your money could triple potentially? Well, let's take a look at the numbers on SeaWorld Entertainment Incorporated. Symbol is S-E-A-S. Uh, not a bad start. You got a P-E ratio 12.5 versus 16.2. And I do see that the last reporting numbers we're talking about is still December 31st. So we don't have the most recent quarter in yet. They're probably reporting very soon. Uh, we do see price of sales looks good, 0.8 versus 2.09. Price to book value, not material, but that's the same as the industry, so it tells you it can have a lot of intangible assets probably. Uh, price to cash flow, 4.4 versus 9. I was thinking an intangible asset is probably uh, the Shamu, the big whale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we do see that the sales are up a year over year, 1.9%. That is below the industry, it's 58 
Uh, earnings per share year over year, wow, of 127 versus 16, so that's very good. The balance sheet does not look good at all. This scares me quite a bit. You got a current ratio of 0.4 versus 1.02, and debt to equity 735 versus 92. Now, holding the stock, I would tell you, go look to see what that debt is. Is it coming due quickly? How much is it? Because that's just a scary debt to equity, 735. Now, return on equity is 37.6 versus 20. Net profit margin checks in at 6.4, half the industry at 12.9. I would like to see that higher. Receivable turnover is 25.9 versus 7.4, and inventory turnover 21 versus 2.4. Chase, what about the earnings? You know, it's kind of funny you're talking about the Shamu and yeah. being an intangible asset. I wonder if it's both because the whale's got to be an asset and then the name Shamu has to be the intangible asset. You're you know? right. <laughs> you're so right on that. It's an interesting yeah. concept. But uh, I did also want to kind of point out some uh, concerns was, uh, you know, we typically like to avoid things that have uh, concentrations in certain regions. I, I don't know. There are other sea worlds, correct? Well, Florida, I think. There Florida is. is. Yeah. yeah there and is one in Texas. Okay. Texas, so there's yeah. a few. Um, but the thing that does concern me there is you're, you're putting a lot of reliability on just a couple different pieces of land, essentially, and uh, let's say a tornado comes through and wipes out the one in Texas, or, you know, we have a, a natural disaster, a big earthquake here in California, this company would just be decimated. Uh, I don't know if they'd be able to get out of it without filing bankruptcy. So that's a risk that you do take with this business. But looking at the numbers here going forward, uh, current price is $14.11. 52-week high, as you said, $36.96, so still well off that. And then 52-week low, $6.75. Now, if I look forward to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, $1.18. That will give you a target sale price of $19.12. So the valuations look good on it. As like I said, the, the risks are there with the dependency. Like I know Disney, they have Disney World and yeah. you know uh, Disneyland, but they have so many other assets to carry them forward if theme parks do struggle, where SeaWorld, I'm not sure on that side of things. Yeah, I, I don't know if they own anything else or not. That's one thing you want to check into, uh, Tim, just to, to make sure. And the thing that concerns me, too, is that they are in this category of big groups. When you, you do the, CMA, the, the shows and everything else, a lot of people, um, I don't know when it's going to happen. I think the talk now is September, but even then it's going to be kind of slow. So I, I think you said you had a nice profit. Is that correct? Yeah, it's more like, you know, maybe I'm, we're looking at it at a, a year, year and a half. So when it comes back, our sale point would be around what you said. We said $20, like in the long term. And I was just going to I basically take $150 because I'm a teacher. So I have a retirement and I put it in to whatever, you know, I feel like the market's going to do just to try and learn the stock game. And it just looked like a good stock over the next 18, year, 18 months, knowing that I'm going to it could take losses. But my concern is. It going under because they have all those animals to feed right now. Right, yeah. and that's where you got to check that that debt as well. And Chase, what was the target sell price you had? Nineteen seventy-five, I want to say. Yeah. So, and and don't base it just on that because it, they've got a big hill to climb here. They got they got apparently a lot of debt. They're facing an uphill battle, as Chase said. They may only have three properties, and again, if something happens where we, I don't want to say an earthquake here in California, let's say yeah. <laughs> a hurricane in, in Florida, uh, that even caused them more problems. So. I, you've got a good profit on it. I just would not feel comfortable. I'd be worried about this stock every day. doesn't mean the stock won't go up to the $18, $20 a share, but I just think it's very risky. I'm not sure if it's worth the, 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 the nerves to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> There's other ones out there I think could be better. I hear you. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It's awesome to hear some financial advice on the sports station that I love so much. Keep it up. Well, good. Well, we're, we're glad that, uh, that you tuned in. Thank you. All right, Tim, have a good one. All right, I've got to go to the next call, but I look at the, the shows. You know, it was like quick this hour. I mean, we, we wiped out the commercials. We still don't have enough time to, to talk to everybody. I know. So, uh, and we see uh, John and Peggy, uh, unfortunately, don't have time to get to you today. But uh, make sure you, you call back in next week. Have some good companies that, that I think uh, would be of interest to our other listeners as well. Yeah, John had a great one on uh, Levi. Gosh, I'd like to check them, see how they're doing. Yeah, I know they, they IPO'd, was it last year? Was it that I don't know. Time flies. It was either last year or the year before that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. Like, no, that's actually three years ago. I mean, how, how fast time yeah. goes by. But, yeah, that would be a great one to kind of look at to see what uh, what they're doing. And, again, it's kind of like them because of the directness that they may have and also the retailer side. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. 
If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And please visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information, along with investment tips, go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. And closing song, Frank Sinatra, My Way, is performed by local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Have a great day. This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan. KWFN-FM and KWFN-HD1 San Diego, a radio.com sports station. Hi, this is Manny Machado from the San Diego Padres. Grand Slam Manny Machado, his first as a San Diego Padre. Was 4-1, now it's 8-1. The Padres play here on 97.3 The Fan. Sports Flash. I'm Erica Herskowitz, and this report is brought to you by Ace Hardware. Stay 